Hey there, Laura here. Just a quick announcement before we begin. For the month of December, the team is going to be taking a much needed Christmas break. But don't worry, we'll still be, there'll still be new episodes every week. For December, we are jumping back to share a few of the most viewed sessions from the 2023 Church Mental Health Summit. And I can't wait to share some of these fantastic talks and resources with you. From Hope Made Strong, this is the Care Ministry Podcast, a show about equipping ministry leaders and transforming communities through care. Supporting those in your church and community not only changes individuals' lives, but it grows and strengthens the church. But we want to do that without burning out. So listen in as we learn about tools, strategies, and resources that will equip your team and strengthen hope. Hey there, Laura Howe here, and welcome to the Care Ministry Podcast. The show today is a flashback to one of the great sessions of our 2023 Church Mental Health Summit with Edward Ng. Edward is a registered psychologist out of Vancouver, Canada, and is the founder and director of Eastgate Psychological Services. Now, prior to becoming a psychologist, Edward was a high school teacher and taught for five years in Vancouver and in Hong Kong. And then after getting his MDiv in 2008, he pastored a congregation for another four years. But after realizing, which many people do, that his theological studies did not exactly equip him for working with people, he went back to school and got his doctorate of psychology from Fuller Theological Seminary in 2016. And it is such a great honor for us to be able to have him at the summit and then also highlight him his talk here on the podcast. A word that I use a lot in talking about care ministry is the word compassion. And I encourage leaders to have a compassionate posture or compassionate approach to care, walking with and standing side by side rather than talking down or standing over. And while having a compassionate posture is key in building trust and aiding in relationships and healing, Edward in his talk called Bridging Divides, Building and Bearing with Empathy and Everyday Life encourages us to step in further to have empathy for others. Man, this is going to be a great talk. Hard to listen to or hard to apply perhaps, or maybe we'll feel seen or called out, but it's going to be so good. I can't wait for you to hear it. And if you're wondering what the difference is between compassion and empathy, this is a fantastic question. And I'll leave the technical answer to Edward in his talk, but I'll describe my experience or I'll describe how I see it in a story of something that happened recently. Now, a few months ago, a woman reached out to me from a country on the far other side of the world, and I'm going to call her Sarah. Sarah shared with me that she is a believer and is looking for resources on mental health because a family member who she loves dearly is ill. She is a part of a faith community and is an active member, but there is such a huge amount of stigma and misinformation where she lives that it is really hard for her to find support or even feel safe talking with someone. And when I read her email, I felt 
awful for her. Man, she must feel so alone and scared. And I willingly shared what little connections I had in her region, but also identified some free online information that she could access. Then encourage her to keep me posted. And man, did I ever have compassion for her? And I was willing to stand alongside her in her journey. Now, fast forward at our just recently at our last Hope Made Strong workshop, Sarah was randomly put into a breakout group with a woman named Nicole. Now, Nicole was, is currently living in the United States, but she happens to be from where Sarah is living right now. And this grouping or pairing in a breakout group was totally random and I think a complete God setup. Now, a week after our workshop, I received an email from Nicole that she just couldn't get Sarah out of her mind and would love an opportunity to follow up. She was curious about how Sarah was doing and, and wanted to check in and offer further support. Now, this, friends, is empathy. I had compassion, but Nicole, man, she was curious. She took action and initiated follow-up. Edward's presentation that you're going to hear shortly walks us through the difference of between empathy and of compassion and developing ways of starting to love our neighbors, not by just learning empathy, but also in bearing with the burden of understanding with others in ways that we may have never even thought of before. So I hope you find this talk as impactful as I did. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Ed Ng, and I'm a clinical psychologist living and working on the traditional unceded territories of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish people groups. But you may know these lands as Vancouver, Canada. I'm the founder and principal of Eastgate Psychological Services, where we strive to combine psychodynamic psychotherapy, cultural psychology, and theological contemplation in the work we do. If you're anything like me, You've been sitting in the rubble of relationships that have become divided over politics, theology, and responses to science and modern medicine. A lot of us who maybe lean one way or another find ourselves disoriented in the midst of so much social upheaval. Many of us have family or lifelong friends who often feel alien to us in a way we never thought they could. So, what is a Christian response to the ache of separation that we're experiencing? Is it to take up arms and batter the other side down? Is it to find the right argument, the right way of phrasing things that they change their minds? Well, if we're serious about conforming to Christ and the character of God, we must learn again how to love our neighbors as ourselves. And one way in which we can do this is by undertaking the task of empathy. But why empathy? Is this even a godly task? In the New Testament, the Greek word that's often translated as compassion is when one has their insides, their very guts, moved because of the suffering of the other. This, I think, is close to where we need to go. We need to learn to feel what others feel and think what others think, so that we can build trusting relationships. But what if we're so defended against our neighbors that we don't even feel their suffering in the first place? Well, this is where we might take up the task of developing empathy. Now, empathy isn't quite the same as compassion, though the two overlap. 
The root words that combine to form the word compassion mean suffering together. And so the idea that we might feel so powerfully for the suffering of others that we ourselves end up feeling deeply moved is in fact very Christ-like. But have you ever wondered how it is that the Lord, gracious and compassionate, can truly suffer with us? Yes, he does know us inside out as a function of being made in the flesh as Jesus. But I think before the incarnation, God was already compassionate because he knows our struggles and our stories far better than we ever could. And that, sisters and brothers, is the beginning of compassion a deep and committed act to understand and know our neighbors and their suffering. Let me put it this way. When you drive up to a median at a stoplight and there's someone there with a sign asking for anything because it helps, I'm pretty sure most of you listening today feel bad for them. Now, actions aside, that bad feeling you have is the outer orbit of compassion. Empathy, on the other hand, is being curious about why that person is on that median with a sign asking for help. No one grows up thinking, you know, if I play my cards right, one day I can panhandle on a median at a busy intersection. Stuff had to happen to them, and they also had to respond to the life that was given to them. It's this wondering, this curiosity about where people come from and how they came to be the persons they are that is the beginning of empathy. Empathy, you see, is the ability to feel about the other person in a way that doesn't automatically condemn them, but instead strives to inhabit the suffering of the other. What I mean by this is that when you're practicing empathy, you're not just feeling what someone else feels. Being empathetic means you lovingly join the other person in their emotional life by taking on their view. It means taking on the perspective of the other and seeing things through their eyes instead of just seeing it from yours. Maybe you won't agree with all of it in the end. Maybe it even feels gross to you. But the discipline of practicing empathy means that we persevere in holding the perspective of the other person so that as much as possible, we can start to think like them. And it's when we start to think like others, we extend to them the dignity that we hope others would extend to us, that we love others just as we love ourselves. This isn't to say that we lose ourselves in our own perspectives, but that we practice. We practice stretching ourselves to cover another person in love. Maybe this view goes against what you've already learned about empathy. You may have thought of yourself as being empathetic, but you may actually just be compassionate, which is no bad thing for sure. But empathy requires more than just an automatic emotional response. It requires mental discipline and a mindfulness of the experiences of the other. I'll come right out and say that despite the fact that I now make a living as a psychologist, growing up, no one would have ever called me the most empathetic person they've ever met. But what I think they meant was that I didn't appear very moved by the suffering of others. I didn't care in the way naturally empathetic people seem to care. But when I began my doctorate, I soon realized that the way we talk about empathy is mostly wrong. It is in fact something you can get better at with practice. And I'm living proof of that. We start 
with process called mentalization, which is thinking the thoughts of others and move from there to beginning to understand and feel as they do. True, there are people who will find it more difficult than others. And these are people who may have neurological conditions that may make it more difficult for them to take on the perspectives of others. But most of us have the ability to grow in our empathy. All it takes is consistent practice. When I was in high school, we were taught in biology that the brain and our nervous system in general doesn't change or grow past a certain point. But one of the most exciting discoveries of the last decades has been neuroplasticity, or the phenomenon of our brains changing to adapt to what we experience and practice. So even if you're not born with a highly tuned set of neurons that automatically engage with the experiences of others, it's possible that our brains will change as we learn and practice. But before I get to how to grow in empathy, the question I started off with remains. Why do we need empathy? Empathy, I think, is the beginning of learning how to love our neighbors. And if we're commanded one thing by our God, it's to love him and to love our neighbors as ourselves. God is love all the way down. And as his people, if there's one thing we've failed at in recent years, it's been a commitment to love one another just as he loves us. I know what this sounds like. Here's Ed's simple fix for very big problems. And it's true. Empathizing with your Uncle Jerry during family dinners isn't going to change his heart or his mind. But it may just help you put up with Uncle Jerry for those crucial few hours. And if we find ourselves in positions of authority and power to change the circumstances in which people live, Maybe the skill of seeing things from the perspectives of others can be the start of something good for all. So how do we do this? How do we become a more empathetic person? First, we need to remember that empathy is the ability to take the emotional perspective of the other person. And so any activity where we get out of our self-centeredness and into the place of another is going to help us. So an example of this might be reading things that are from points of view that aren't familiar to us. Whether it be novels or reading the news from different news sources, stretching ourselves to see things through eyes that aren't our own will only help. Second, we need to make a habit of being curious about others. This is harder than it sounds. Human beings tend towards using cognitive shortcuts as a way of conserving energy because, hey, Taking time to truly listen and understand another person is really exhausting work. But in order to develop empathy, we can't just use our shortcuts. We can't just make snap judgments. We need first to notice that a certain person elicits a certain response in us and then take our time to wonder why it is certain people behave in certain ways. It may seem like other people are just crazy, but the truth is very few people in our world are actually what you might think of as crazy. The vast majority of people need someone to take the time to be curious about why they are the way they are. Now, you may not always get the answers you're looking for, but if you were in their shoes, 
Wouldn't you want someone to be curious about the thoughts and feelings you have instead of pigeonholing you as one thing or another? Third, it's important we cultivate relationships with people who are not like us. Now this for me is one of the hardest things to do. If I wasn't a therapist seeing all kinds of people all day long, my world would honestly look really homogenous. Yet I can't overstate enough how vital it is that to develop connections with people from different backgrounds. For most of us, this comes through school or work. Now, it's important to note that while we may have people we prefer to hang out with or befriend, we continually need to learn to widen our circles. Maybe you won't be best friends with people who aren't normally in your in-group, but taking a moment to learn about where they're coming from ultimately benefits you. Fourth, talk with someone about what you're trying to do. Maybe that's a counselor. Maybe that's a pastor. Maybe it's just a good friend. But talking about everything you're experiencing as you're trying to change the way you think and the way you feel is a good way to consolidate the gains you're making. Saying something out loud to another person sharpens us because it forces us to examine our experiences and maybe makes it more real to us. Rather than our experiences remaining private and in our heads, making it a social reality by speaking of what we're noticing is another way we'll change. But to be honest, there are downsides to trying to develop empathy and taking the perspectives of others. First, it's exhausting. You know those cognitive shortcuts I mentioned earlier? Well, humans tend to do this because it helps us deal with a massive amount of information we take in daily by sorting the mail, so to speak. If we don't use shortcuts, we are then left with a ton of data about people that we don't know how to sort. Categorizing people can lead to stereotyping, but it's also a nicely efficient way of getting through our days without having to spend the time and energy to understand them better. For example, almost every driver has had the experience of being cut off in traffic. Now, when this happens to you, do you automatically think, what a nice person. I think we could be friends. No, you think that some entitled jerk just decided that they're more important than you and that the whole road is theirs. But all of us, when we stop and think for a moment, realize that there could be any reason for the other driver's mistake. It's that stopping and thinking that's hard because we are forced out of black and white and into seeing others in color. Second, we can absolutely do bad things with the knowledge we have of other people. The worst thing is that we may think we have other people all figured out and that they couldn't possibly surprise us. That's a problem because understanding others doesn't always lead to other preferring love. In fact, people who are skilled at manipulating others often can exercise high degrees of empathy. So how do we bear with living mindfully with empathy? The first is to recognize that even if we find ourselves exhausted by trying to empathize with others, it's important to remember that any love we try to give is going to be imperfect and that we won't always get it right. But if we in humility can remember that the little bit of attention we give is better than nothing at all, 
it may be that the other person will feel more care than we imagine. Very often, imperfect love given in humility and not in a this-is-what-you-need preachy kind of way is more powerful than we know. I'll say it again. Imperfect love given in humility is more powerful than we know. And yet when we're exhausted, we need to give ourselves more grace for our limitations. Second, we need to be able to find spaces where we have mutual relationships, where we're cared for and our perspectives are nurtured. For most of us, it's family and friends, where we can have others be curious about us and our experiences. Reaching out in curiosity in the name of love is hard work. And often these relationships end up being one-sided. We need relationships that are reciprocal in order to keep ourselves in balance and to be reminded that we are as deserving of love as the people we seek to serve. Third, we need to learn to listen to ourselves and gauge how much we have left in the tank with respect to being able to engage with others. This requires higher awareness of what we're feeling as we go about our days. Now, this is not easy for most of us, but this is a skill that you can pick up by periodically asking yourself, what am I feeling right now? The better you get at identifying what's going on for you emotionally, the better you'll be at realizing when you need to back off and give yourself the time you need to find your balance. Of course, there's lots more to say about everything I've tried to lay out today, but I wanted to encourage you to try just a little, to see through the eyes of others. Our world is too divided and too polarized not to try and love our neighbors well. The work we have before us isn't just with our hands, it's also with our hearts and our minds tuned to the lives of the people that God loves. My name is Ed Ng. Thank you for listening. Hey, thanks for listening. I encourage you to put what you've heard into action today. How are you going to be intentional about building bridges and sharing in empathy? For those who are interested in learning more about the Church Mental Health Summit, you're going to want to go to churchmentalhealthsummit.com. You'll see past recordings. You'll see ways that you can host live events in your community, as well as the latest updates about future events and opportunities. If you've enjoyed listening, uh, I encourage you to write a review of this podcast. And if you want to be reminded when an episode goes live, make sure you follow. Thanks so much and take care.